0: Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's Monday, February 8th. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. The pandemic has disrupted our lives in many ways, including our social lives and friendships, and has possibly erased an entire category of friends we once enjoyed. People that may not be in our inner circle, but acquaintances, friends you see while watching sports, even coworkers you don't see as much anymore. Amanda Mull, staff writer at The Atlantic, joins us for why these types of friendships are vital and the deeper appreciation we have for them after the pandemic. Thanks for joining us, Amanda. Thank you for having me. We're going to be going back and looking at coronavirus, the pandemic, kind of the big year that we all shut down for many years to come, kind of how it affected everything, really. You know, It's been the big disruptor of our lives, When it comes to health, when it comes to the economy and when it comes to our social lives. And that's one of the interesting parts of it is how our social lives have changed and friendships in particular. Amanda, you looked into how maybe whole categories of friendships have been erased throughout this these closures and shutdowns. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, this is something that I had noticed pretty early on in the pandemic, but I sort of chopped it up to the fact that I am a really extroverted, social, chatty person. I love to chat with people, people who work at the coffee shop I go to and... The UPS guy who always comes to my building and things like that. I just like to talk. So I noticed that I was missing all of these like little incidental interactions pretty early, but I didn't know if that was something that people who aren't as social as I am were feeling. So as time wore on, I noticed more and more types of people I was missing out on and just how bummed out I felt about it all the time and eventually I realized while watching a Netflix show in which one of the first scenes of the series is the main character meeting her boyfriend at a bar while everybody's watching baseball and I just thought about watching football in a bar the bar that I go to every fall weekend normally and realized that I just really missed being around a bunch of like sort of familiar people all doing the same thing at the same time I missed seeing the bartenders that I saw every weekend I missed seeing lots of people who I know by first name or who I know by sight, but whose you know, social media information I don't have. And it's just sort of snowballed from there. And I realized that this was something that a lot of other people were experiencing too.
0: We have our inner circle and we know those people and we try to keep in contact with them as much as possible. But this kind of outer circle, these people that also enrich our lives in a lot of different ways, they can be just as important as our main relationships. And sociology, I like the way you, you mentioned this. Doesn't really have a name for this, but they are called weak ties. So this is anything from acquaintances, as you were mentioning, people in the bars, all these other people. And I'm with you on that front. I miss those people.
1: I think one of the reasons that people have had such a difficult time articulating this sense of loss that they have over these people in their lives is that we don't really have language in the us to talk about all of these different types of connections we have the word friend and we have the word acquaintance but there's just not like a rich language around all the people that matter in your life at first i felt a little bit selfish because i have been really lucky i have a lot of close friends within a couple blocks of my apartment i have been seeing them throughout the situation in safe ways we have access to resources to do that so And I felt a little bit like I was being greedy by missing all of these other people. But I started to look into the sociology of it. And we need all of these different types of ties and relationships and interactions in order
0: to keep us mentally and physically healthy. This has kind of far reaching effects. It's not just people at the bar and all that. It crawls into work life, working from home life, all these different types of friends and casual encounters that we would have. Would shape you, kind of bring some little joy to your life, but these are different. Talk about this in the context of uh, the workplace now, because that's another big disruptor we've been dealing with.
1: One of the first ways that it occurred to me that this might harm people in the long term in some way, or at least change their lives in some way in the long term, is at work. Offices are built environments meant to encourage certain type of behaviors, and often those behaviors are coworkers getting together and chatting for a few minutes in the communal kitchen, people collaborating with each other on a project, in a conference room, things like that. Just being able to look across the table in a meeting and see someone else having the same reaction to something that you're having, all of those little interactions, and then being able to run and get a, a cup of coffee with somebody spur of the moment because you run into, ran into them in the hallway. Those interactions make somebody part of a workplace, make somebody part of an organization. Especially when you're young or when you're new to a job, having those little interactions help you integrate into the structure of the place that you are. If you can't get integrated into that type of structure, then you have a hard time making a name for yourself, becoming a valued coworker, things like that. And it also hurts collaboration. I talked to one researcher about some stuff he had found about conversational reciprocity. and. What we need in the workplace, especially when one person is instructing another person on how to do something, is unstructured time for the person who is doing the task to put in their two cents, to uh, become an equal part of the conversation with with their boss, essentially. And on Zoom and things like that, you lose those opportunities because so many of these digital interactions are very structured and everybody knows going into them who is supposed to talk and when and
0: about what and for how long. On the workplace front, I've definitely noticed that myself firsthand where a lot of people, I work at a radio station, right? So a lot of people are working from home right now. We've had to hire on a few new people as well. And I always find myself telling them, it's not normally like this. There's a lot more people. There's a lot more interaction. Them starting out, they don't know any of the other departments, uh, people in other departments. You know, it's very isolated in a sense where the programming side of things, we're just kind of doing our own thing. But it's just interesting how, how it does shape these workplace relationships as well. It's just so important. You you spoke to somebody, an expert that studies uh, friendships, and they said many different kinds of relationships are important. Man does not thrive on close friendships alone. And it's so true. These kind of, all these other people really round out our days. You mentioned something too about kind of... Uh, Isolation in your article. When we don't have these other types of friendships and interactions, too, it can push you further into isolation and in our bubbles and things that we see how these conspiracy theories start to flourish because we're pushed into isolation and these tinier bubbles.
1: One of the things that really struck me as I was doing the research on this topic and talking to these experts is that the weak ties in our lives, the people on the periphery of our social lives uh, are a useful grounding resource. They they keep us tied to our communities, to the physical world, to the people around us, to the cities we live in. And when you lose those people, a lot of people lose a really meaningful source of um, source of support, source of comfort, source of like a shared understanding of the world around you. So people go online looking for that. There are healthy ways to find that online. You might find a forum that's all about knitting or a forum that's all about baseball or whatever it is that your interest is. Or if you end up on the wrong side of the algorithm, you might end up in QAnon or you might end up uh, in an extremist Facebook group or something like that. Because what those groups offer and what what they prey on in people is people looking for a sense of certainty, people looking for an order to the world, an understanding of the forces that are acting on them and what they can do about it. When you lose all your social ties because of a long-term disaster like the pandemic that we're in, those things become even more seductive to people, which is I think a big reason that we've seen an acceleration in those types of groups on the internet in the past year.
0: According to some of the experts you spoke to though, all is not lost. These relationships, these weak ties, so to speak, can be built up back again. And we're seeing vaccines roll out. We're hoping obviously Things will get back to normal soon, and these are the kind of things that can pick up pretty quickly. I I did like the way you know people have been saying that there could be a roaring twenty twenties, similar to what happened after nineteen eighteen and the flu pandemic back then. And now we have this better understanding how of how important these relationships are to us. One
1: of the big upsides that we have in front of us is that weak ties are definitionally low-pressure relationships. So these are not generally people who are going to be offended that you didn't text them to keep up during the pandemic. These are not people who you're turning down Zoom invites from. These are people that once you see them again and, and once you both confirm you're still there and still happy to be there, things should go in those relationships back to largely normal and i think that people will be really really happy to see everybody and perhaps bring with that a an understanding of what all of the people around us mean to our lives not just necessarily our very close friends and people who are like us in you know socioeconomic ways that we would spend intentional time with but the people who work at the grocery store your barista at the coffee shop people who work and exist in in ways in our lives that Our culture doesn't always value. I think that understanding all that we lost when we lost them as part of our everyday lives could be a step towards revaluing them in the future and understanding how much people who performed labor like that and who play
0: roles like that really matter in a society and to
1: ourselves as individuals.
0: Well, I'm hoping for things to get back to normal quickly so we can get out to the bars and then watch football together, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning, just hoping for those fun times to return. Amanda Mole, staff writer at The Atlantic. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcast.